Leaning Toward Wisdom, leaningtowardwisdom.com. This is the podcast, a special episode. Greetings and welcome inside the Ella Studio. Coming to you Thursday, May the 13th, 2021. It's a special episode. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. And I'll tell you what's on my mind. Death, old men, growing older, and optimism. Yeah, let's do that. I'll confess two things have prompted today's show. One... Well, no, both, frankly, both tragic in their own sort of way. Uh, some good friends of ours, some death struck their family. The details are unimportant. You know, facts don't matter, right? But when tragic, when tragic death occurs and you can say, well, isn't all death tragic? Eh, I don't know about that. But when very unexpected tragedy hits, and when it hits someone in a family who is younger than older, uh, by way of a fatal accident, uh, yeah, that's tragic. And as I began the day thinking about that, waking up to that news, And continued to do uh, a lot of client work today, uh, much of it in person today, which is, I won't say is, uh, I don't know that it's uncommon, but it's these days it's more uncommon than not. And not just because of COVID, it's just I normally for a number of years have worked by way of Zoom. So frankly, the COVID thing didn't throw me much of a curveball. But on occasion, I will choose to go see somebody that is here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I know I don't travel outside the area. But in meeting a number of clients face-to-face and in discussing not just work problems, but sometimes personal problems, and my client base, I should tell you, men, women, younger, older, and it, it doesn't, uh, I don't lean into a specific singular demographic, but the conversation of getting older and as people are approaching retirement and, you know, it's, it's clearly different with somebody who is, Uh, pushing 60 or maybe is already past 60 as opposed to somebody who's in their 30s or in their 40s. It's just different. And I don't know how old you are, and I don't know where you're at on the timeline of life, but it's just eh, just different. 
It's just different. Now, being a man, an old man, I really I can't give you much perspective on being an old woman. <laughs> Other than the fact that I, I can jokingly say, well, I'm I'm married to an old woman, but she's married to an old man, so there's that. Uh, but I've got I've got great fondness for old women because I probably, you know, had such a close relationship and had, I had such affection for my maternal grandmother. And so there is that, um, but to know what that is, no, I clearly, I mean, as an older guy, I, I don't know. What I do know is I know that as men get older and i can presuppose that this applies to women too, that we reach this point where it dawns on us that we've got way more past, way more history than we do future. And there is something sobering about that. And the reason that I invoked optimism in that beginning is because I just increasingly find, especially in light of how the day began with news of a death, that we are faced with all these choices every day. We are faced with these circumstances, many of them beyond our control. Some of them perhaps a result of our control, right? A result of our behavior. I mean, we, we caused, we provoked, but other times like the tragic news that I woke up to, no, no, you know, I mean the family, the family, not, no, nobody was, uh, no, nobody was behaving poorly. Nobody was bringing this upon themselves, right? It's just one of those circumstances where bad things happen. Um, and it happens to all of us. If you've lived any time at all on the planet, you have experienced some bad things that through no fault of your own, it's just how it is. And I realize that there's tons of shades of gray, but let's, let's, let's put the gray paint away and we're just going to paint with some black and white paint. We can choose to face these things one way. We can choose to face them another way. We can choose optimism. We can choose pessimism. Now, when it comes to loss, when it comes to death, for instance, well, come on. I mean, there's sadness, there's sorrow, there's grief. There's time. We need time. We need time to process. We need time to resolve in our head and in our mind what we're feeling and how we're feeling and why we're feeling. And it's not one of those switches that you can just flip and, okay, turn the page next. And if you can do that, then, well, then I would be terribly worried about you. Um, unless you're a psychopath, you can't do that. Our knees buckle. We crash, we burn, we feel what we feel. And for some of us, depending on what has buckled our knees, we may stay down for days. We may stay down for weeks. We may stay down for months. You and I both know that the better alternative is to do our dead level best to shorten that. But that also presents problems. 
and I have talked with too many grieving people to know that one of the problems that presents is to know when is enough enough. As though we are showing some type of disrespect to the person that we've lost because, well, I mean, if they meant anything to us at all, then surely we need to grieve even longer, right? Seems logical. The problem is the habit, the habit that gets formed. The problem is the pessimism that takes over. The problem is the darkness that moves into our life, which fast forward a number of hours into the day and conversations about getting older and conversations of a little bit of growing pessimism as people grow older, which I guess in part is somewhat natural. I, I'm supposing that as an older person, it's very easy to, uh, well, older people tend to probably have more regret because we've lived more life and we can look back and maybe we think, okay, I see where I went one direction. And now that I look back, I kind of wish I would have gone a different direction. There are many challenges to that, but let me just focus on one. And the one is it's interesting to me how the most pessimistic people on the planet can look back at decisions that were made better yet decisions that were not made and yet embrace complete optimism that had they made a different decision, then the outcome would have been significantly better than the outcome they got. That seems incredibly (laughs) ironic to me. It's like, How can you be so pessimistic about everything, but you look in hindsight at a decision that you made and you've got a little bit of regret because you now have got it worked out in your mind that had you not made that decision, but you would have made the different decision, then it would have all worked out magnificently for you. And here's the truth of the matter. We don't know. We only know the outcome of the choices that we did make. There's no way to know the outcome of the choice you didn't make. Now, you can think all the great things that you want to think. You can believe in your heart that it would have been vastly better. I get it. But the truth is you don't know because you didn't make that choice. You made a different choice. To be fair, let's eliminate foolishness from this conversation because, come on, the podcast is labeled Leaning Toward Wisdom meaning a person made a decision, did something criminal, got caught, and now regret that decision and think, man, I shouldn't have done that. It would have, life would have gone so much better for me if I wouldn't have done that. Well, yes, that's absolutely true. Okay. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about that kind of a choice. We're not talking about those kinds of regrets. We're talking about the regret that well, we took this job or we made this move to this certain place and things worked out and things may have worked out reasonably well, but we've got it worked out in our head that had we not done, had we not made that move, had we made this other move, it would have worked out even better or vastly better. You don't know that. I mean, there are a lot of people who turn down investment. We all hear these stories and many of these stories are mythical. You know, the person who could have gotten in on the ground floor of some big blue chip stock and they didn't. 
And we look back and we think, man, what an idiot that guy was. Well, but that was before they were who they are. Had the person known that they would become who they became, he of course wouldn't have withdrawn his investment or he absolutely would have written the check for a hundred dollars worth of stock or whatever. So sure. You can go back and second guess that all day long, but so let's eliminate those two scenarios from this conversation because that, that really doesn't properly represent the context of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who feel like if they would have made the choice B instead of a, and they know what a produced because that was the choice they made, but they're convinced in their head that B, it would have been better. It would have worked out better. You don't know that you've got no way to know that. And the very same people can look at their present situation with absolutely nothing but pessimism. I mean, it's the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's just, it's interesting to me how the human mind, how we can so delude ourselves, how we can, we can, we can see something so clearly and it can be so concrete for us and it can be an absolute figment of our imagination. And I bring it up in the context of not just death, but growing older and the resignation that can occur in our lives. You've seen this. Maybe you have felt it. Something happens in our life and our knees buckle. And maybe it is a death. And we can't, we can't see how we can possibly get through to the other side. We can't even see that there is another side. We can't even see, I mean, this is just, it's not something to go through. It's something that is just now going to define us. Well, that can be true. We could make that choice. No, not the best choice to make. Certainly not the most uh, positive choice to make. If we care about our own life and our mental health, for sure. And it doesn't mean that the person wasn't important. It doesn't mean that the loss isn't magnificent. It means that we really have to come face to face with our own reality of now what? Now what? I lost my best friend. I probably did much too much podcasting about it at the time. Hard to believe, but this is back in 2012. We were the same age within a month of each other. And we had been best friends since we were, well, since we had been born. And I fully expected that we would grow old together. I fully expected that we had a lot more jokes to tell and a lot more laughing to do and a few more tears to shed on one another's shoulder, but it wasn't to be, it was not to be. And it wrecked me and it wrecked me for a good little while. And I have moments today where it still wrecks me, but 
No, I can truthfully tell you it has not wrecked my life. I've had other things happen since then. I've had a number of other things happen since then, including the death of other people who I was extremely close to. People who were an important part of my life every single week. I've had family heartbreak. And here I am sitting here behind this microphone with headphones on talking to you, trying to provoke whatever thoughts can come to your mind. And yes, trying to have some positive impact to help you face whatever darkness is in your life with some optimism that the sun, the sun may shine again someday. And it largely is up to us, not all of it, but a big, big part of it. I caught myself today telling a couple of clients, and it really is kind of the first time I've really done this as extensively as, as I, as I ever have and really just kind of pulling the curtain back and telling them exactly what this work was all about. My work as a leader, quote unquote, leadership coach. Uh, with high-end leaders. And that is, you know, my I take on the role of helping you paint yourself into a corner, not where you're going into the corner nose first, but where your back is to the corner and you're facing the room. And the room represents your life, your future. The corner the corner represents your past. It represents where you are at this moment. And me, hey, I'm the guy who's handing you the mirror so that you can look deeply into yourself and come to grips and come to terms with who you are and where you are and to pull the mirror down after some introspection and to look at this vastness of this room, your future, and to decide and to figure out where you want to go and how you want to best approach getting there. And I'm the guy who's asking a ton of questions along the way, completely embracing my natural curiosity to try to help you figure this out. And the reason for the mirror and the reason for the corner is to really kind of suck all of the oxygen out of the room that stokes the fires of excuse making because we all do it and death can do this sickness loss of health can do this any kind of bad circumstance negative situation negative influence can do this in our life if only or if not for this or that or the other, then I would be better. I would do better. And I know this about men who grow older. We can be really, really prone to getting stuck. We can be really, really prone to thinking. And, and, and when I say elder guys, I'm talking guys that are hitting middle age. And I don't know, where would you define that? Would you define that at 50? At 60, I don't care. You put the number to it. But there is this point, and there is something to the whole middle age crazy. There is something to you know, the whole midlife crisis thing, and it's us 
coming to terms with our mortality. It's us coming to grips with the fact that, okay, the history behind me is, is bigger than the future before me. But that man, that just, that's just, that's a little too binary for me in that it diminishes the future. And I, I, I just don't find anything profitable in that. I don't find it profitable to diminish number one, not only the future, but when you diminish the future, you can't help but diminish the present. And that's disastrous because that means that the day that you have, the day that you've been given, you've squandered. You've done nothing profitable with it other than perhaps to turn inward and to get selfish and to feel sorry for yourself and to feel like you've been victimized and everybody has done something to you or somebody has done something to you. And if they wouldn't have done something to you, then your life would be vastly better. I am not diminishing the bad things that happen to us, all of us. I'm not diminishing the evil that people can and do perpetrate against us. But what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do about it? And I don't mean retribution and I don't mean vengeance. I mean, how are we going to navigate that? How are we going to cope with that? How are we going to muscle our way through that so that we can come out the other side? Because I got newsflash for you. There is another side. This darkness, whatever it may be, wherever you may exist right now, and it may be not very dark, it might be bright right now for you, but you've had darkness. It may be incredibly dark for you right now. I don't know. I'm rather fascinated by the concept that the darker the sky, the brighter the heavenly bodies above us. So last week we go to a place in Arkansas that I love. And I mean, we're out, right? We're out in the middle of nowhere. We're not in a big city. Uh, the night sky is very different than it is right here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, where I'm at right now, where I live. And I go out one night and there's this Creek in the back and you can hear this Creek going 24 seven. It's great. It's wonderful. There's just thick woods all back behind us. And I go out, I wait until it gets dark and it's glorious. I mean, it is glorious. It's not at all like the daylight. It's different, but many of the things about it are glorious. The quiet, the fireflies, the frogs, the weird sounds that the woods make the wind, the wind in the trees is way louder than you would think. And the night sky, well, really, really hard to describe. But if there were no night, wouldn't have those experiences. Now those experiences I get, I realize those experiences sound very positive and they are. And the darkness that sweeps over us, that knocks us to our knees. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Not a real great parallel in that regard because we can't see any benefit at first. 
So it's up to us. It's up to us to resolve. It's up to us to make sense of this. It's up to us to figure out what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this injury? What am I going to do with this hurt? What am I going to do with this sadness and this sorrow? Can I leverage this to make myself better? Are there muscles that I can exercise in my life that can make me better? What if, for instance, in the future, as I'm trying to help a friend or a family member or even a complete stranger, might this serve to give me a greater sense of empathy? Might this serve to give me greater compassion for other people? Can I leverage this injury, this sadness, this sorrow to make myself a better person? Can it make me reflect more on how I feel about and how obedient I am or am not to God? Does that matter to me? Do I care about God? Do I care about eternity? Do I even believe in eternity? I do, but you may not. And it may be during that darkness that you have to wrestle with those kinds of things. And there can be profit in that. Wrestling with those kinds of things. These are important questions. They're worthy of a little bit of time to wrestle with. And isn't it interesting that many, many people admit to wrestling with such issues when their knees have buckled. But prior to that, busy. Life goes on. Days filled with meetings and agendas and to-do lists. Lots of stuff going on. No time for this. No time for that. Until suddenly, it's as though somebody hits us over the head with a hammer and says, Stop. Stop everything you're doing. Because I'm going to put some so colossally large amount of pain in your life and sorrow and sadness in your life. You're not going to be able to think about anything but this. And we do. We begin to think about these things. And then we begin to ask these questions. And I rather choose to look at it as life, circumstances, in fact, oftentimes pure randomness has pinned our back to a corner up against our past. And now we're looking at the room. But before we can look at the room, which represents our future, Yep, we got to look in the mirror. And we're not looking in the mirror like a rear view mirror. We're looking at our face. We're staring into our own eyes. And we're trying to come face to face with who we are, what we are, and whether or not we like where we are and who we are. And so that brought me to the point of realizing that as I am trying to help clients, in some cases older men, in some cases younger men, but let's focus on the old man who just, for whatever reason, feels stuck. Highly accomplished, mind you. I'm not talking about people who, you know, they feel like their life's been completely wasted because they haven't achieved anything. No, we're talking about high achievers. We're talking about A players. And yet finding it's just not enough. 
it's not enough. Too many people who are living accomplished lives, but yet they feel empty. And maybe relationships aren't what they had hoped they would be. You know, maybe their relationship with the kids, it's not what they had hoped it would be by this stage of their life. And maybe their relationship with their wife or their husband isn't quite what they had hoped it would be because there's just too much resignation, too much pessimism, too much negativity of thinking, I, I, I'm, it's never going to get any better than this. I have a real hard time with it. I, I truly do. I have a really hard time with that degree of, op, of, of pessimism. I have a really hard time trying my best to help people navigate the waters of that kind of, that kind of a negative view because it's a, I, I'll tell you this. It's especially hard when it's people that are a decade or more behind me or even just a few years behind me. Because no matter how difficult and how hard life is, I truly can honestly tell you I've never been better. Now, that's not, I'm not gloating. I'm not saying I'm great. So don't misunderstand me. My being, having never been better may, may still not be very good, mind you, but I've never known this much. I've never had this much experience, life experiences, professional experiences, uh, human relation experiences. I've never known any more. So from a knowledge base, I've, I've never been stronger. I'm still healthy. Okay, I'm not as fit as I need to be. And I should give that more attention. And you know why I'm not? I'll tell you why I'm not. It's pure selfishness because I've come to find that for all of us, no matter where we are, no matter how we feel when it comes to pessimism versus optimism, our being stuck or our inability, seemingly our inability to not improve areas that we know need to be improved, boiled down to just pure selfishness. I need to be about 30 pounds lighter. Why am I not? Because I haven't made it a priority. And you can think, well, 30 pounds. Yeah, 30 pounds is a lot. It's especially a lot when you're my age. So why haven't I done that? Why haven't I done something about that? You know, I will frequently sit here in the middle of the night when I can't sleep and go, you know, if you loved this woman that you've been married to for 43 years plus, if you loved her as much as you claim you do, you do something about this because you would be concerned enough about your own health to do it, not for yourself, but for her. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of conversations I have. So you're not listening to somebody who's got it all figured out. You're not listening to somebody who's hitting on all cylinders. If they're, if they're out there, I've yet to meet them. And I don't profess to be that person. I'm just trying. Some days I try really hard and other days I don't feel like I tried nearly enough. Right? Same as you. 
but I'm still optimistic because you know what? I still think I'm going to figure this out, right? I'll, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to drop this weight. I'm going to get my fitness level where I would like it to be because I'm working my way to the corner. I'm trying my best to paint myself into the corner, not for punitive reasons, but for corrective reasons so I can grow and get better. Cause I know that until I can back myself into that corner where I've got the past behind me and my back is firmly planted against the past and I'm holding the mirror in front of my face and going, this is on you, dude. I mean, somebody, you telling me that somebody got a bowl of ice cream and forced it down your throat. <laughs> somebody got those oatmeal raisin cookies that you love so much and made you eat like the whole stinking tub of them in one setting. No, no. I learned a long time ago and it was from, I don't know, it was from some, some health or fitness thing. Nothing tastes as good as thin feels. <laughs> I'm like, I remember reading that and thinking, yeah, I kind of like that. But then, you know, I very quickly came to the realization, yeah, I'm not sure that's, I'm not, I'm not sure that's true. And I can tell you it is true. It is true. And I would, I would probably replace thin with fit because, you know, I'm a person I've never, I haven't been, I don't know that I've ever been thin. I don't have a thin build, but you, you understand the point. And it brings me really kind of full circle to the real point of today's show and the real, real, real reason that I hit record. And I'll put it in a single word, others, others. Bottom line is while it's about us backing ourselves into a corner so that we can grow and improve and we can take a look at the vast expanse before us in this empty room that lies before us, a room that we can fixture any way that we want. We can construct it any way we choose because it is our future. It is our present, but we must come grips. We must come to grips with ourselves. We must come face to face with our own realities. And do we do that for self-serving purposes? No, we do it to benefit ourselves, but we do it to benefit ourselves as a resource for the benefit of other people. So at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about them. And I'm supposing for you that the them is probably similar to the them that are important to me. I said in the last episode that I released just earlier in the week, nine people. I got nine people in my tribe. Five of them are kids, grandkids. This is my family. These are my people. I have a few other friends, not many. Don't need many, don't want many, but I've got clients and I absolutely told a client today, the truth outside of my nine family members, the next level of people that matter the most to me 
or clients. These are people I'm desperately trying to serve and help. But it's other people. And there are other people. There are people like you, people who had, well, the boredom or the bravery or the stupidity. No, you're not stupid to hit play and to listen to a guy like me. Because maybe, just maybe, I'm a voice in your earbuds that can help pin your shoulders to that corner because you and I both know it's where we need to be. And until we can get there, we cannot move forward. And there it is. You can decide if it was worth hitting record today or not. May the 13th, Thursday, 6.23 p.m., if you must know. <laughs> Can't get more specific than that. I hope all is well with you if you are in darkness. Keep walking. Just keep walking. And if your knees have buckled and you got to crawl, then crawl. But keep crawling. Give it time and then work your way to your feet. And once you're on your feet, you can step slowly. Or if you want, you can just bust out into a full-blown sprint. Somebody posted on Facebook the other day asking about the movies that might have scared you when you were a kid. And for me, it was Bunny Lake is Missing. I'd go into a dark hall in our home and I would sprint. (laughs) I would sprint to a light switch. So if you need to sprint, sprint. If you need to crawl, crawl. Thanks for listening. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.